Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen, here today to discuss episode 62 and 63 of Empresses in the Palace, Hu Gong Jin Huan Zhuan. There's a lot going on in the world right now, but I hope that you all can enjoy listening to this exciting explanation of one of the most intense episodes of the entire drama in Empresses in the Palace. What are we talking about today? Why, it's the accusation of adultery of Jin Huan. This begins in the latter half of episode 62 through the beginning of episode 64. For today's discussion, though, we will stop at episode 63. So to start off, we will begin the discussion right around the 29th minute of episode 62 as we see it on YouTube, if you would like to follow along. There are many, many characters who appear in this episode, so hang on tight as we go through this. I think overall, these two epic episodes are a culmination of sorts of the two leading factions in the palace. On one side, it's the Empress, Huang Hou, and the other side, it's our main character, Jin Huan. What are the two biggest secrets in Jin Huan's life right now? Number one is that her twin children are not the children of the emperors, but instead of her lovers, the 17th prince. The second, and something that Jin Huan does not know about, is that her best friend, Shen Mei Zhuang's unborn child, is actually that of the imperial doctor, Wen Shi Chu. Neither are the children of the emperors. But of course, the emperor doesn't know that. And fortunately or unfortunately, the only person who does know about both of these secrets is the imperial doctor Wen Shichu himself. Alrighty, where are we? An Lingrong has regained favor with the emperor after her beautiful figure skating display earlier in the episode. Jin Huan is at her palace getting her nails done in the presence of her younger sister, Yu Rao, and Jin Huan's trusted maid, Jing Xi. Huan Bi is currently not in the palace, but instead caring for the 17th prince at his residence since he is sick. There is a ton to unpack here in this short conversation. A lot of it is more foreshadowing, so let's discuss. We'll talk about Jin Huan's nails in the analysis later on. Jin Huan casually asks why Qi Guiren has nuns from other temples in the palace. Who are these nuns? Jin Xi makes a curious comment. She agrees that she should have paid more attention, but the empress ordered her to teach palace etiquette to the new maids this morning, so she was unavailable. Isn't that odd? Well, before we can dwell on this, the empress's head eunuch stops by and requests Jin Huan's presence. Once at Jin Rengong, or the empress's residence, we have the entire imperial harem there. What is happening? Immediately, the empress asks Qi Guiren why she has gathered the entire harem together. Qi Guiren doesn't skip a beat and says, I am accusing Xi Guifei of adultery. Jin Huan is shocked and clenches the table. She's worried her secret has been revealed. And the first time I saw this, I was like, oh my god, 
Did they find out? Did somebody find out about the 17th prince? Is it Yelanyi? Well, the empress putting on a show knowingly asks Qiguren, This is a very serious accusation. You cannot lie about these things. Qiguren then goes on with the nudging of Ningguiren or Yelanyi to say that she pledges the truth on her entire family clan. If there's any deceit in what she is about to say, then her entire clan will cease to exist. This is a very powerful oath, so to speak, and shows the gravity of her words or her conviction to her words. In Chinese culture, having no descendants is one of the biggest sins you could have for your family. One also doesn't make oaths lightly. So the fact that Tiguerin very seriously says that if she lies, her whole entire clan will cease to exist is uh, very serious indeed. This also provides uh, Ningguiren and Jin Huan kind of like a level set that this is not something that is very simple or to be taken lightly. The fact that Tiguerin is willing to make such a serious oath means that they have to really prepare themselves for what's coming up next. After Tiguerin says this oath, the empress asks, You claim Xi Guifei, or Jin Huan, of adultery. Who is this man? You look at the camera cuts to Jin Huan and Ning Guiren, both of whom are incredibly tense at this point. Qi Guiren then haughtily exclaims, The imperial doctor, Wen Shi Chu. Wow. Immediately, both Jin Huan and Ning Guiren relax. This is quite funny, though. I died laughing. Yeah, the first time you're like, Ugh, poor doctor, man. Both Jin Huan and Ning Guiren let out a sigh of relief, so to speak. They both know that Qi Guiren isn't that intelligent, and now she found the wrong target. Jin Huan doesn't know what Qi Guiren has up her sleeve, but nothing happened between her and Wen Shi Chu, so it means that Qi Guiren is doing this as a ploy to attack her. But it also gives Jin Huan the opportunity to uh, protect herself. She knows the truth. She knows that she's innocent in this accusation. So all she has to do is stand her ground and make sure that any allegations against her are undermined. And interestingly enough, Ning Guiren or Ye Lanyi is also very invested in this story or this accusation as well. Why? Didn't we just see her in the last episode, episode 61, threatening Jin Huan with a dagger? She absolutely or obviously has no love for Jin Huan, but she still deeply loves the 17th prince. And who does the 17th prince love? Jin Huan. Ye Yi will protect anyone that the 17th prince cherishes, regardless if she has broken his heart. This is truly touching. Her or Ye Yi's love for the 17th prince is very powerful. Before we go further into this episode, let's take a step back and identify who are all the players in the Imperial Harem. At this point, or since Jin Huan's return, she has been very diligent in building a strong network. One that will help her in this series of events or this long conversation to protect her from the Empress. Let's take a look at who is on her side. 
Number one, you have Duan Fei. She is the most experienced and oldest consort in the palace at the moment outside of the Empress. She also helped Jin Huan defeat Hua Fei when Hua Fei was in power. In return, Jin Huan helped Duan Fei adopt Princess Wen Yi to care for, thus giving Duan Fei support for her time in the palace. Number two, Qing Fei, a very good friend of Jin Huan's and the adoptive mother of Jin Huan's first daughter, Long Yue. They've resolved their differences and are now a very strong team. Number three, Shen Meizhuang, Jin Huan's childhood best friend. She's currently pregnant, not really in the picture right now, but that's fine, doesn't matter. She is very much team Jin Huan. Number four, Xin Changzai or Xin Guiyin. Jin Huan helped her regain ownership of her own palace by removing the arrogant Qi Guiyin back in episode 57, I would say, right when Jin Huan returned to the palace. So, Xin Guiyin is very much a part of Jin Huan's team. Number five, Ning Guiyin. Like we just mentioned, Ning Guiyin is the horse tamer maid turned concubine. As we said, she loves the 17th prince, and because she knows the 17th prince loves Jin Huan, Ning Guiyin is willing to help Jin Huan. Number six, Jin Xi, Jin Huan's trusty maid. Number seven, Su Pei Sheng, her trusty maid's husband and head eunuch of the emperor. This proves crucial in this episode, or in this part of the episode in episode 63. Next, number eight, Quan Bi, Jin Huan's half-sister and very loyal maid. Number nine, Yu Zhao. This is Jin Huan's youngest sister. Number 10, someone who will pop up later on in this episode, the 19th prince, Shen Bela. Number 11, the imperial doctor himself, Wen Shichu. He is a childhood friend of Jin Huan's and has always been there to help her. And of course, you do have the 17th prince, though he's not really in this scene, and several of Jin Huan's other trusted maids and eunuchs from the palace. That's quite a long list, don't you think? Now, who was on the Empress's side, Huang Hou's side? You really only have two people. One, An Lingrong, former best friend of Jin Huan's, but now working for the Empress. She is a despicable character. And number two, Gua Jia Wen Yuan, or Qi Guiren. Her family caused the downfall of Jin Huan's family, and she really just does not like Jin Huan. Now, there are two concubines who I would say are more neutral in this case. They aren't actively anyone's side, but more or less just like does the bidding and gossip of anybody who's around. Those two are Kang Changzai and Jinping. Does that make sense so far? That is a very, very long list. Take a moment to digest all of this information. I guess long story short is that Jin Huan has a whole long list of people who are there to help her, and the Empress does not. What's interesting in my perspective is the fact that Jin Huan does not know Ning Guiren or Ye Lanyi is on her side. Like we said, last time they spoke, it was quite contentious, so um, she was not going to count on, on Ye Lanyi as an ally. But as we'll see throughout this episode, Ye Lanyi is crucial in uh, today's events. 
Now, the accusation is out. Let's see what happens. Quite a few of the concubines step in to try to defend their side. Qi Guiren and the neutral ladies hypothesize why this relationship is plausible, while Jin Huan's faction says it's unwarranted speculation. Anling Rong here is such a two-faced snake. Everything she says makes it seem like it's in favor of Jin Huan, but really, her words just direct more speculation towards Jin Huan. Qi Guiren, though, comes rather prepared. She brings up the fact that the imperial doctor had previously proposed marriage to Jin Huan. There's proof, too. Qi Guiren brings out one of Jin Huan's old maids from when she was growing up, Beaner, to confirm this fact. However, this detail is rather flimsy. Beaner even acknowledges that Jin Huan did not accept the marriage proposal. Ladies on Jin Huan's side say that if Jin Huan really wanted to accept the marriage proposal, she wouldn't be in the palace today. Well, after seeing the fact that um, Beaner's testimony doesn't really stick, Qi Guiren brings up her next witness or evidence. Who is it? Fei Wen. Remember her? She's the maid that was punished to be slapped in the face after opening windows right after Jin Huan gave birth and uh, caused Jin Huan to cough. She was punished by the emperor and was not happy about it. It looks like she has turned against her master and is now here to provide evidence against Jin Huan. Jin Huan is understandably livid to see Fei Wen, who claims that she saw the doctor and Jin Huan have a very private conversation where his hands were on hers and his sleeve exposed bamboo leaf embroidery. This really didn't happen. Earlier in the episode, the doctor came to check on Jin Huan's health condition, so of course, his hand rested on her hand to check her pulse, or actually like her wrist. There was still the sleeve separating the two of them, so there was at no point did the doctor touch Jin Huan's skin. His sleeve did expose a bamboo embroidery, which may have been a little private, but that is not a problem. Fei Wen only ran into the scene when she accompanied Jin Huan's younger sister to see Jin Huan, not this embellished version. But the story is rooted in some fact, so Jin Huan cannot deny that this happened. As all of this drama is happening, we do have to remember that the very pregnant Shen Meizhuang is still chilling in her palace. She wasn't invited to this accusation trial, but she's worried about Jin Huan. Luckily, her maid is able to persuade her to stay away from all of this and remain inside. The Empress's head eunuch, Jiang Fuhai, requests the presence of the Imperial Doctor himself, Wen Shichu, to this so-called trial. But as they pass by Shen Meizhuang's residence, Wen Shichu requests to step inside to check on her health. Once inside, he warns her not to go outside for any reason. The excuse he uses is very innocuous. It's windy outside. She's near her delivery date, and it's not good for her to be out. Wen Shichu prevents her from suspecting anything is wrong, 
which showcases his care and love for her. He doesn't want anything to happen to her, especially at this crucial juncture of her pregnancy. He has a feeling that whatever is about to happen is not going to be good, especially because he is going to be seeing the Empress. When the doctor arrives at the Empress's palace and sees that almost the entire Imperial harem is there, he gets a sense that something is wrong. Immediately, the Empress's head eunuch flips open the doctor's sleeve and reveals the embroidery there. Everyone sees the embroidery, and at first, it does not look good for Jin Huan. But the doctor explains that the embroidery is of green bamboo leaves that his mother loves. His mother personally embroidered these leaves for him as a way to remember her. This most certainly clears some of the air because it's from his mother, not from a lover. The Empress doesn't say much, but Xing Fei chimes in that the embroidery looks dated as well, not something that is recent. Therefore, anyone who is paying attention would probably have been able to see it. This cannot mean anything significant between the doctor and Jin Huan. Poor guy. He didn't do anything and just walked into a massive trap that could potentially cost him his life. Thank goodness he and Jin Huan didn't actually cheat with each other. They're both um adulterers, but just with different people. <laughs> Isn't this hilarious? <laughs> like they both harbor a crazy secret, um, but they both don't know what. Well, Jin Huan doesn't know it. Wen Shishu is the only one that does. Man, poor guy. That's the end of episode 62. Let's dive right into episode 63. Jin Huan has been silent this entire time. Essentially, she's trying to assess how much evidence the Empress and Tyrion has against her and how to fight back. Now that she's heard the accusations from Binger and Fei Wen, her mind is racing, but she knows she's innocent. No one suspects a thing of her uh, true crime. Her faction, specifically Jing Fei, has countered most of the attacks on her behalf. Now it is time for Jin Huan to show what she's all about. Her tone is so much deeper than it was at the beginning of the drama, and her glare towards Qi Guiren just emanates power now. Jin Huan coldly asks Fei Wen whether she's done her chores. Did she varnish the lapis lazuli vase? It's just a certain type of vase. That's odd. Why would Jin Huan ask this question? Fei Wen, in her haste, immediately says, Yes. Jin Huan smirks. Why? Jin Xi, Jin Huan's head maid, then coldly responds, How is that possible? That's rubbish. The one on the counter is made of jade. There is no lapis lazuli vase ever. Fei Wen quickly agrees and says, Yes, 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 I forgot. The vase is made of jade. And with that one question, Jin Huan undermined Fei Wen's credibility and memory. If Fei Wen can't even remember something like what she's cleaned that day, how can she be trusted for remembering what she saw between Jin Huan and the doctor? It also establishes that Fei Wen is a liar. And now, Jing Fei, part of Jin Huan's faction, chuckles and says, Wow, such a memory. I'm surprised you can remember the bamboo leaves on a sleeve. 
Jin Huan does a fabulous eye roll here and responds, there has never been a vase made of lapis lazuli on the counter. You claim that you serve me, but you don't know your chores and you spend all of your time scrutinizing what's on a doctor's sleeve. What is your motive? I personally love the shot of Ye Lan Yi over here trying to stifle a laugh. She's like, is this all that you have? Whatever. Jin Huan at this point turns towards the empress. She says this is very suspicious. Why would a lowly maid pay attention to this? Jin Huan's squad continue to chip away at Fei Wen's credibility. If we judge this right now as a game of tug of war, I think Jin Huan's team is winning right now, just slightly. All of a sudden though, An Lingrong brings up Gan Lu Si, the temple Jin Huan was exiled to for all of those years. She questions how anyone at such a holy temple could conduct such blasphemous acts such as adultery. Hmm, where is the conversation headed? At this point, the emperor Huang Shang arrives. Qi Guan does not hesitate to share her accusations with the emperor. He probably heard something about this and is extremely annoyed because he actually slaps her for making such an accusation. But the empress helps give some credibility to Qi Guan's claims by referencing the deadly oath that Qi Guan made earlier. I actually am curious as to why the emperor is here. Perhaps he heard something. And I mean, also at the same point, he probably is super annoyed that something against Jin Huan is still happening right now. So he wants to get to the bottom of this. At the same time, though, events are happening outside of the Empress's palace. Huan Bi has returned to Jin Huan's palace and is getting slightly anxious that Jin Huan hasn't returned. She's waiting with Jin Huan's younger sister in the palace when suddenly a maid rushes in to inform them to take action. She is Ning Guiren's maid. The maid quickly tells them that a nun from Gan Lu Si is about to or has accused Jin Huan of adultery. It is best to find someone else from the temple to act as another witness. Huan Bi, who knows the full situation and the full gravity of the situation, immediately thinks of the nun Mo Yan. She will stay in the palace for now, but Yu Rao, Jin Huan's younger sister, immediately rushes out to find the nun with a eunuch in tow. On their way out, they bump into the 19th prince, who quickly learns of the story. I will give props to Ning Guiren, or Ye Lan Yi, right now. I think she recognizes that the first two witnesses were small fry, but the next one, the nun, is a potential threat. So she immediately thinks of something or some way to counteract this nun, because it is very suspicious that this nun is here. And what did we say earlier in the episode? The conversation that Jin Huan had with Jin Xi. Oh, Qi Guiren has some nuns in the palace. It must be this nun from Gan Lu Si. Back at the Empress's palace, the emperor, with his suspicious nature, agrees to listen to Qi Guiren's witness. Who is this witness? It is the despicable Jin Bai. This Jing Bai, if we all remember, was the nun that abused 
Jin Huan the entire time she was at the temple as a nun. Ugh, this is not good. Qi Guren commands Xing Bai to tell her story. And my blood just boils here. Jing Bai begins her soliloquy by painting Jin Huan as an aloof woman who didn't mesh with any of the other nuns. The only two people who visited were an elderly maid and, of course, this doctor, Wen Shi Chu. The elderly maid was, of course, Fang Ruo, sent by the Empress Dowager, so there's no lie there. Then, Jing Bai makes her accusations. She witnessed Jin Huan and the doctor in a room together by themselves, with the maids standing outside. When she questioned the maids, she wasn't able to go in. Jin Huan then left to Ling Yunfeng amidst rumors of infidelity, and she, Jing Bai, does not know what happened after that. Silence. This looks pretty damning for Jin Huan. However, suddenly, Ning Guiren stands up and asks to take her leave. She says that this whole situation is giving her a headache. The emperor consents. But as she turns away, uh, she actually asks Jing Bai a few questions about how she should best pray for the emperor in the palace. And Jing Bai provides Ning Guiren with some really detailed advice. After hearing the responses, Ye Yi doesn't say anything else and walks out. With that interlude over, it is time for the Empress to strike. She so far has been silent the entire time. She needs to play her part well as the neutral judge. She can't say anything too early in this whole scene, otherwise it will be too obvious of what she is trying to do. She truly is a master manipulator. She serenely asks the emperor if he ordered the doctor to do this. This puts the emperor in an awkward position. Did he know of this relationship? If the doctor and Jin Huan did indeed commit adultery, where does that put him? The doctor, Wen Shi Chu, immediately denounces these allegations. But Qi Guiren shuts him down. Her arguments are quite convincing. Wen Shichu and Jin Huan have known each other since their youth. Jin Huan's maids, of course, will not admit to anything. And there was even a marriage proposal. Jin Huan, therefore, has committed treasonous crimes. At this point, Jin Xi steps in and swears that nothing happened between Jin Huan and the doctor. Which is all 100% true. The emperor, though, turns his gaze towards Jin Huan and pointedly asks, Did you do it? For her response, Jin Huan kneels to proclaim her fidelity. The emperor, to his credit at this point, believes her and allows her to sit again. I don't know, I mean, why did you even ask her this question if you believed her? The empress, though, will not give up this opportunity. She closes in and says, your Majesty, if you truly want to clear up any doubt on this matter, we should do a thorough investigation. An Lingrong, as her usual two-faced self, also chimes in. We should investigate to clear my sister's good name. I don't want her to be the subject of gossip in the palace. The Empress and her posse continue to, like I said, now this time chip away at the Emperor's confidence in Jin Huan. 
It really is a marvel to watch. At first, the emperor was very annoyed and actually uh, demands an answer from the empress as to why these rumors are spreading in the palace. Remember, he was annoyed at her about the whole rumors that um, the twins were not his because, of course, they were twins. But now you're now having rumors that the fact that Jin Huan's kids aren't mine? What are you saying? But the Empress's faction has some pretty good arguments. For example, why did the cats suddenly attack Jin Huan in the middle of the evening? Why didn't she investigate? So if we recall, Jin Huan delivered the twins because mysterious cats attacked her carriage. And those cats were sent by Ye Lan Yi, right? Chi Wen here makes a good argument. Why did the cats all of a sudden attack you? Like, what would happen? Why did they attack only you in that evening? Maybe you plotted these cats to attack you in order for you to actually give birth. Who knows? I mean, if you didn't know the story like we do, the fact that Ye Lan Yi was the one who sent them over, sent the cats over, yeah, it does seem, seem kind of suspicious, right? Tigran claims some other things about um, what happened that evening, but we'll just leave it at this right here. She now turns her vitriol towards Jing Xi and Huan Bi. She claims that the maids are loyal to Jin Huan. We won't get anything out of them unless we use torture. Jing Xi steps in right away to accept any punishment to prove Jin Huan's loyalty. This torture, we're not talking about just some lashes. This is quite nasty torture that we won't get into. Before Jin Huan can say anything or do anything, An Lingrong stops Jin Huan to say, I mean, if they don't suffer punishment, it would be difficult to prove your innocence, dear sister. What a, oh my gosh. Jin Huan turns and stares daggers at her. I mean, I would too. And this is great acting here. It's almost as though An Lingrong can feel the daggers from Jin Huan because An Lingrong turns her gaze away from Jin Huan as if she's cowering under this gaze. You should. You are literally condemning two women to, I guess, death from torture. In this tug of war, it looks like the Empress's team is now winning. Suddenly, though, an unexpected guest appears. It's the 19th Prince. He enters to claim his support for Jin Huan, which is rather surprising because royal family members, let alone men in general, do not usually meddle in affairs of the imperial harem. This greatly angers Chi Wiren. I honestly don't know how this woman is so confident in her stance. Like, do your homework. You've got the wrong person there. The emperor has had enough. Just as he's about to conclude the whole thing, the empress proposes an idea. Let's conduct a qin or a blood test. According to this drama, blood between relatives will mix together, but will not with non-relatives. Not very specific, but let's go with it. The idea here is that let us test the blood between Jin Huan's son and the emperor or of the doctors to see whether or not they are actually related. This is very serious. There's a few factors here. A, you need blood from the emperor. And as the son of heaven, you can't have the emperor spilling blood. That's just a no-no. You do not hurt the emperor. But B, even if the sixth prince is the emperor's son, if the stories of the events 
today spread throughout the imperial palace, this would be a serious stain on the emperor's reputation and also the relationship between the emperor and his son. For Zhen Huan, she's worried that if they do this test, they'll find out that the sixth prince is not the emperor's son. Again, not sure how accurate this would have been, but in this drama, let's go with it. Another question that I would have thought is that, hey, um, the sixth prince is the son of the emperor's brother. So technically they are blood kin. I don't know if it would have been too much of a problem if they actually did uh, test with each other. To prevent this blood test from happening, Jin Huan quickly plays the role of the tearful concubine. She tries to appeal to the emperor by recounting their reunion. This could be her last hope. Unfortunately, the emperor is fully suspicious now and thinks it is a good idea to do this test. Why though? Because Qi Guiren says some things that are actually quite astute. If the sixth prince isn't the emperor's son, are we going to just let the throne fall into the hands of the outsiders? That's a very important thing for the emperor to think about. The emperor, no matter how much he says that he believes in Jin Huan, will once again always put the empire and the throne first. He doesn't have that many sons at this point and views the sixth prince as a potential heir. If the sixth prince isn't of his blood, this isn't just a personal matter, but a matter of state. He, of course, now has to get to the bottom of this. Jin Huan is devastated to hear this, but she comes up with a lightning fast plan. She says that if the emperor suspects her and the doctor, they only need to test the blood between the doctor and the sixth prince. That way, no harm comes to the emperor. Seems like a very fair plan, right? Everybody agrees. Throughout this episode, the emperor will oscillate between calling Jin Huan Huan Huan, his nickname for her, or other titles such as Xi Guifei, her official title, or simply Ni or Yu. His level of trust in her at any point in time is reflected in the name he uses for her. Huan Huan shows the highest level of trust, and at this point he still believes her or at least is trying to manipulate her into thinking he believes her by calling her Huan Huan. Throughout this whole episode, we also get many close-up shots of the emperor's hands and how he fondles his beads. This action also gives us, the audience, a hint as to where the emperor is leaning towards at any moment. He won't display much in terms of facial expression, but his reactions nevertheless are all there. Once again, though, we see the emperor's suspicious nature. Even though he says that he believes Jin Huan, he will still agree to this test. We, the audience, definitely have to marvel at Jin Huan's quick thinking. This is a fail-safe way to trick the emperor because the doctor is most certainly not the father of her child. By now, it is dark outside, which shows how long the day has gone. The head eunuch, Su Peisheng, brings over a bowl of water and pricks the sixth prince and the doctor for a drop of blood. Well, before Su Peisheng picks it up, the bowl is brought over by a maid. This fact will come into play later. Jin Huan is sitting there, playing the part of a betrayed woman who is not being trusted by the emperor because 
she knows the truth. There's nothing between her son and the doctor. But what do we see? The blood of the two actually mix. How is that possible? Everyone is shocked. When the emperor sees this fact, he is livid. And the empress takes this opportunity and immediately declares that the doctor should be killed. Chen Huan stops this from happening, but is at a loss. This looks really, really bad for her. Everyone is able to see that the blood of these two, the sixth prince and the doctor, mixed. There is clear evidence of this adultery. Qi Guiran smirks her success while Jin Huan's faction tries to think of what else they can do to protect her. The emperor is emanating anger at this point. He is positively scary. It looks like there is nothing but punishment or death in store for Jin Huan. He is so angry. But before he can do anything more, Jin Huan, who is confused as to what happened, exclaims that there must be something wrong with the water. There are three components in this experiment. Her son, the doctor, and the water. She knows with 100% fact that her son and the doctor aren't the issue. Then it must be the water. Thanks to her quick thinking, she immediately grabs the hand of Su Peisheng and pricks his hand for a drop of blood. She drops the blood into the bowl, and what happens? The blood also mixes together. How could that be? Jin Huan exclaims again that there must be something wrong with the water. At this point, the ever-faithful Jing Xi rushes up and pricks her hand as well. Her blood also mixes with the blood of the sixth prince, the doctor, and Su Peisheng. That is not possible. The emperor is a little confused, but comes to see the results. Su Peisheng even says, uh, this is absolutely not possible. I mean, I'm a eunuch. I can't have children. How can the doctor and Jin Xi be his children? At this point, the emperor actually lets out a laugh and says, he knows. I mean, Su Peisheng definitely doesn't have children. The doctor comes to investigate the water. He smells it and says, the water has a sour taste. There's baifan added to this water. Well, what is baifan? It is a type of mineral, or more specifically, potassium alum. The doctor explains that historical medical records have stated that if this potassium alum, or baifan, is added to the water, the blood of non-kin will be able to mix. If you add oil to water, the blood of kin will not mix. Well, there you have it. The water has been contaminated with the likes of baifan in order to make the appearance that Jinhuan cheated. Who could have done this? The emperor sits back down on his chair and turns towards the empress. He says that in an effort to be fair, it was the empress who prepared the water. The empress hurriedly denies doing anything to the water, stating that this would have been a very risky move. She's not that stupid. But Jing Fei chimes in to say that, yes, this move could have been very risky, but the reward is very great. Once it appears that the sixth prince isn't the empress, who else will investigate the truth? The empress is now in a very weak position because it looks like she tried to frame Jin Huan. 
Chin Huan even comes up to say that she's always been respectful to the Empress. Why would the Empress want to frame her in such a way that could kill her? And before anything else can happen, Su Peisheng arrives with another bowl of water and says this bowl of water is clean. The Emperor demands another test. The Sixth Prince and the Doctor provide another drop each into the bowl. And Su Peisheng presents this bowl to the Emperor who sees that... The two drops of blood do not mix. Dun dun dun. The Empress slumps at this sight. Now the tides have turned. The truth that the Sixth Prince and the Doctor Wen Shuchu have no relation has been confirmed in front of everyone. There's no denying this fact now. The Emperor even turns to give the Empress a glare after seeing the results. But Xi Guirin is not satisfied. She cries that even if the Sixth Prince isn't the Doctor's, you have three witnesses that say that the two have some sort of relationship. The maid, Fei Wen, and the nun, Jingbai, step up again to proclaim their truths. Ning Guirin, however, barges in. She swiftly walks straight up to the head of the room. I find this scene hilarious. She walks up, stares straight at Su Peisheng, and uh, he gets the hint to move aside. That confidence and aura. You go, girl. And um, can you share some of that with me? I guess she just gives no Fs. <laughs> Anyways, she is back. And another person arrives as well. It's Yu Rao, Jin Huan's youngest sister. Both she and Ning Guirin went to look for witnesses to help Jin Huan's case. Yu Rao even talks directly to the emperor, saying that there's more than one nun at the nunnery or temple where Jin Huan stayed. He should listen to other people as well. That's bold, girl. And you can tell he is very impressed for uh, her act of bravery, but for other reasons as well. He can't keep his eyes off of her until Ning Guirin snaps him back to the reality. Right after this, who arrives to provide her witness account? It is the stern but kind Mo Yan, the nun who helped Jin Huan many times while at the nunnery. Mo Yan promptly shares that Jin Huan had to do many laborious tasks while at the nunnery, such as chopping firewood and washing clothes. The implication here is that she was doing many things below her station as a concubine. Mo Yan also shares that if Jin Huan didn't do things satisfactorily, she'd be beaten by Jing Bai. The main key piece of information Mo Yan shares is that if Jin Huan and the doctor did have some type of intimate relationship, Jin Huan should have just or could have just left. Why stay at where she was on this destitute peak and endure such harsh conditions? With this account, Jing Bai's testimony is ineffective. Many of Jin Huan's team members and even An Ningrong share their disgust at Jing Bai and proclaim their support for Jin Huan. The emperor at this point is leaning towards believing Jin Huan's innocence again and agrees to cut out Jing Bai's tongue as punishment. Ugh, such a harsh punishment. As if to, uh, let's say, put the nail in the coffin, Ning Guirin nonchalantly adds that Jing Bai stated earlier she hadn't stepped into the palace for two years, but 
Earlier, when Ningguan spoke to her, Jingbai knew immediately who she was and her title. Hmm. This means that someone must have coached her and shared intimate details of the palace with this nun. Why would that be? Who could have done this? This is now looking quite bad for Tsiguren and the Empress. Most people, the Emperor included, should be able to see now that this seems to be a setup by Tsiguren at the very least. Sure enough, Bian now crawls up to Jinhuan and cries that she didn't have any choice but to come to the palace to give her testimony or her account. If she didn't come, she would have been beaten to death and shares the numerous injuries she suffers while working at Tsiguren's family home. Bian tearfully explains to the emperor that Jinhuan and the doctor have never done anything inappropriate. By now, all doubts have been cleared up. Jinhuan's innocence has been confirmed by all with these uh, truths coming out now. But Jinhuan knows she must uh, mount a counterattack. It's not simply Tsiguren who has the power, intelligence, and ability to gather all of these people together. Someone must have ordered her to do it. Jinhuan shares this with the emperor and is supported by Ningguan, who says that if this mastermind isn't exposed, then the imperial harem will never be peaceful. Jinhuan now turns to Qi Guiren and says she'll be lenient if Qi Guiren shares who directed her to do this. I'm pretty sure everyone in attendance knows that it is the empress that is behind all this, except for maybe the emperor. Who doesn't know that Qi Guiren has allied herself with the empress? And especially given the mistake of accidentally adding the bifan or the potassium alum into the water earlier, the first thought as to who this main culprit would be is pretty clear. It's the empress. But Qi Guiren does some quick thinking and decides to take sole ownership of framing Jinhuan. She yells that no one directed her. It was all of her own volition. She hates Jinhuan because her family, background, beauty, and position are equal to or above that of Jinhuan's. So why does Jinhuan receive all the favor? Tiguran even looks at the Empress before continuing to take more ownership of this act. And before anyone else can say anything, the Empress steps in to say how lovely it is to have your own sister in the palace. When I see Jinhuan and her sister, I'm reminded of my own sister. If she were still alive, she'd believe I'm innocent. Okay, let's pause here to explain what just happened. Again, we all know that the Empress is in on it. Why does Tiguan not expose the Empress in return for clemency? It's because Tiguan knows that if she gives herself up, at least the Empress will be in power still to enact revenge on her behalf. Tiguan is willing to sacrifice herself in order to ensure that the main goal of defeating Jinhuan still happens. Additionally, she wants to protect her own family. Tiguan wants to protect her own family from being blamed in participating in this scandal. The Empress brings up her sister in order to use her sister as a shield. Every time her sister is brought up, the Emperor will hesitate before enacting any type of harsh punishment against her. Indeed, as the Emperor asks about this Bai Fan, one of the Empress's maids claims that she helped 
hold the bowl earlier but forgot that she had handled this potassium alum, thereby contaminating the water. What a faithful maid, taking the fall for her master. We have no idea if this is true or not, most likely not true, but this gives plausible deniability to the empress. The emperor punishes this maid by sending her to do hard labor at Shinshinsi, but then actually tells the empress, who had been kneeling this entire time, to sit up. This shows that he is willing to trust her at this point. The episode ends with the emperor giving out his punishments for this accusation. Qi Guiren is now to be banished to the cold palace. Kang Changzai and Jin Pin, these two women are mostly neutral, but throughout the episode have been, I guess, spreading rumors and gossiping and adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, are punished to no allowance for six months. The rest, Jin Huan decides. And that she does. Jin Huan asks Jing Xi to return the nun Mo Yan and her old maid Bing Er back to their homes. As for her traitor maid Fei Wen and the despicable nun Jing Bai, they are to be beaten to death. There's a little bit left of episode 63, but we'll start with that in the next episode. It is, once again, quite a lengthy discussion. And that was our trial, our accusation, our interrogation against Jin Huan. We explained some of the intricacies or did some analysis throughout the plot discussion, but let's do some more in-depth analysis around the key players and some interesting scenes throughout these two episodes. Yep, there was a lot of plot, but some nuggets of analysis, and I want to talk also about the players for today. So let's start off with um, some nails. In the beginning of our episode, or our discussion, we see Chen Huan getting her nails done. Her fingers are wrapped in a leaf, and uh, it's something we haven't seen before. This was, I believe, the first time that I saw the process of getting nails painted or coated, or actually dyed, in a Chinese drama. I believe that this process is quite accurate, um, and our grandparents' generation still probably would have done their nails in this fashion. The flower that is used here is called feng xianhua, or balsam. There are medicinal properties to this flower, including treating snake bites, warts, etc., but it is used to this day um, for nail polish or to dye your nails. There are several different colors, as mentioned in the drama. Um, for example, bright red or different shades, so that is also pretty accurate. To dye the nails, you would simply take the flower petals and mash them into a fine mush. Add some potassium alum or bifan or salt when muddling. Then leave it out until the mush dries. Spread the residual onto your nails and wrap them in a leaf as shown in the drama. One could use a velvet leaf um, as something to wrap the nails, but you really just need something sturdy to make sure that, that it sticks. It takes several hours for the color to seep into the nails, but it is quite the organic way of uh, getting your nails dyed. As a note, people get some pretty bad reactions to potassium alum, so be very wary of that. And interestingly enough, where have we heard of this bai fan? That's right, 
in the water for the blood test. What an interesting coincidence. Next, let's actually talk about the Xuerenqin or the blood test. As we commented earlier, in theory, this might work, but really it, it does not work. The earliest records of some type of blood test like this goes all the way back to the Three Kingdoms era, so around 300 AD. What happened then was to drop some blood on bones and see if the blood will kind of be absorbed by the bone. The theory was that if you are blood related, then yes, the blood will be absorbed by the bone. This was actually taken as the standard for a while to uh, confirm relations. There is one story from the history of the southern dynasties about this, or Nan Shi. The story goes like this. Xiao Zong was the son of the king of Liang. However, his mother was a concubine to the king of northern Qi. The king of Liang killed the king of northern Qi and took the concubine as his own. Xiao Zong was born seven months later. So... There's some timing differences. Who is the actual father? Xiao Zong always suspected his parentage and after reaching adulthood, exhumed the king of northern Qi's body. He conducted this experiment, dropping some of his blood to the bones of the king of northern Qi to see if the bones would absorb the blood, and it did. To further test his hypothesis, he killed his own son and did the same test. Okay, what? The blood again absorbed into the bone of his son. Xiao Zong now fully believed that he was the son of the king of northern Qi. Once again, I, I don't know why he killed his own son for this, but at least he got an answer. Unfortunately for us right now, there's no way for us to confirm whether or not he was indeed the son of the king of northern Qi, but we have the story for us to refer to. Again, none of this is scientifically accurate. We would just do a DNA test now, but of course that was not an option. So for the show, this was the best that they could have done to test out um, the parentage between the prince, the sixth prince, and the doctor. Most of the time, the blood would have actually probably mixed regardless of parentage, just due to properties of blood and water. Um, but for plot purposes, they didn't here. And finally, let's talk about the teams. I think we talked a little bit about them during the episode, but there's so much more that we can discuss about the teams that are supporting both Jin Huan and the Empress. I feel like the best way for myself to understand what happened in this episode is to compare the players to chess pieces, at least for Jin Huan's team. I'm not a chess master, so some of my comparisons may be off, but bear with me. Jing Xi in this scene is a pawn. Yes, I would say that normally she is much more important than that, maybe like a bishop, but right now she is a pawn. She is the ever loyal servant who will sacrifice anything to help her master. Su Pei Sheng, the emperor's head eunuch, in this scene is also a pawn, but a pawn that turns into an almighty queen. 
I mean, his blood really is what does it or proves it for the emperor that the water was tainted. How can an eunuch have kids, right? The other thing that I really want to point out for Su Peisheng is that he does his best to try to protect Jin Huan in this scene. He, while everybody was talking, snuck out to grab a new bowl of water to do this test again. He did not have to do that, but he went ahead and did it on his own volition because he wanted to clear Jin Huan's name. I think that is very important. Another person is Xin Guiren. She is a pawn. She doesn't say much, but when she does, she leans in favor of Jin Huan. She asks a lot of pointed questions and makes some very uh, astute remarks. Now, Jing Fei, I feel like, is a knight. She's out there protecting Jin Huan, and she's constantly one of the first to step up and make a comment about how, uh, I guess, outrageous these accusations are. Okay, for me, Duan Fei is either a bishop or a rook. She doesn't say much, but when she does, it's very important. It's either to point Jin Huan in a direction or to guide her out of a corner. Let's look at some of the examples. When Bing Er confirms the fact that Wen Shichu did propose marriage, it was Duan Fei who calmly asks, was the marriage agreed to? Bing Er could only say no, and that kind of made this whole argument a moot point. Another example is when the Empress first proposed the blood test. It was Duan Fei who pointed out the importance of not spilling the Emperor's blood. I think this is what prompted Jin Huan to think of different ideas or different alternatives and ultimately gave her the idea to test Wen Shichu instead. I doubt in that moment that Jin Huan would have thought of this so quickly if it had not been for Duan Fei's words. Again though, as powerful as her words are, meaning Duan Fei, she has to use them sparingly or else they will too quickly lose power. Next up is Ning Guiren or Ye Lanyi. I'll say in this game, she is the queen of the team. She's the MVP. Right off the bat, she knew something was fishy with the nun and ordered her maid to tip Huanbi off to find reinforcements. She left the battle midway, but came back with a vengeance, bringing the nun Mo Yan in tow and belittling the nun Xingbai um, about her apparent knowledge of the imperial harem. No one suspected her position in Jin Huan's team. I don't think Jin Huan knew this too, but without her, Jin Huan would have had a much more difficult time to figure her way out of this situation, if not completely destroyed. And finally, Jin Huan is the king of this team. She can move to any space, but she is limited by what she can do. However, it is her quick thinking with the water that saves the day. Let's take a look at how far Jin Huan has come. From nothing in the beginning, all she had was Shen Meizhuang and, I guess, barely An Lingrong. Now she has a whole faction in the palace made up of consorts, of noble ladies, which is significantly more powerful than whatever she had before and even what Hua Fei had before. But unfortunately, this whole team, this whole faction could barely scrape a win against the Empress. The Empress's team, by comparison, is much weaker. She just has Qi Guiren and An Lingrong. Also, the person that we haven't spoken about is Jian Xiu, her trusty maid. 
So three folks. But I think her role as empress accounts for a significant balancer of power. She, with the help of Ti Guiren, also amassed three witnesses, two that were somewhat weak, but the nun was a heavy hitter. The most important piece of this nefarious scheme, though, is the blood test. Because if you think about it, every single testimony that these three witnesses provided was undermined and their credibility was already weakened while people were listening to these testimonies. Quite possibly, the empress maybe didn't even need these three witnesses as long as the emperor agreed to the blood test. She most certainly must have been the one to put the bifen or the potassium alum into the water. She wasn't 100% sure if Wen Shichu was the father of Jin Huan's children, but she sure wasn't going to give up this chance to frame her. Adding Baifan was just the insurance. However, I personally will doubt the Empress's intellect here. Did she really think no one was going to question the water? But maybe, perhaps, just as Jingfei said, the risk was high, but the reward was even higher. With the blood mixed together, who cares what Jin Huan says? She is a confirmed adulterer. Jin Huan would be killed. Her son probably also killed, and that's that for this particular nuisance. She does not care whatsoever, the empress does not care whatsoever that she would potentially be killing the emperor's son. With the sixth prince out of the way, the third prince whom she is raising will be the legitimate heir to the throne. For the empress, the rewards greatly outweigh the risks. Now, let's look at the results. Unfortunately for the Empress, Qi Guiren is banished to the Cold Palace, but what happened to the Empress? Basically nothing. She's still the Empress. It took literally everything from Jin Huan's team to retaliate and win this round. Look how many people were on Jin Huan's side. I listed out like 11 or 12 people at minimum. This price for this victory, however, will be heavy. We will find out what happens in the next episode to both sides. Well, that is it for this podcast episode. We had a blast describing and discussing episode 62 and 63 of Hogong Jin Huan Zhuan. Hope you learned something or maybe you have different views on what we described. Feel free to let us know at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com or message us on Instagram or Twitter. We are very happy to debate this episode with you all. Thanks again so much for listening. Hope everybody is safe and enjoying themselves. We will catch you guys in the next episode.